Yo, yo, yo. Recording. We just recorded a dope podcast, dope podcast. with the boy Adam Sorensen, an OG homie. Adam's Jewelry on Instagram, too. Adam, a- Adam's underscore jewelry on Instagram. We go way back, and uh, it was a super lit convo because we're just like such good friends, you know? Uh-huh. And he brings a super unique perspective on creating, on art, life, philosophy. Uh, all sorts of stuff we dive into it yeah so this is a lit podcast i feel like the cool thing about like you two specifically is like you guys are homies but like the cool thing about a podcast and what we just did is like you you guys may not always sit down for almost two hours and just talk Uh you know maybe at like a campfire or whatever but like like, ask questions yeah ask questions and really like dive into like your past and i feel like that was cool about having me there as well as i was able to be like a third party of like yeah. so how did you two meet and uh-huh. like all this stuff and like kind of pull those things out that maybe you guys weren't able to like that you wouldn't normally talk about you yeah know? we like, also talked about living in the hood mm-hmm. all three of us lived in the hood together in newark new jersey so for all sure this is, is a good one yeah i want to listen up to the end check it out Okay, we're rolling. Oh, it's rolling? Oh. Hey, we got, for those of you that can't see us right now, we got Adam Truman, Metro Truman, your boy Mike. Um, we just finished Mob in the Canyon. Got dark pretty quick. Always a good time. Usually it's like not dark by 7, like we started at like 7.30. And, uh, yeah, in the summer we start at 7, we could hit it twice and still be in the daylight. Yeah, but seven thirty is pitch black out there. For real, it's lit though. I mean, our phone lights are bright enough to yeah, yeah. at least get it lit in front of us. So, how did you two meet? For the people that aren't uh, aware. Oh, dude. dude! I can't even. I honestly don't even know if I could remember my first memory with you. I can remember the one that stands out the <clears throat> most. I mean, we've known each other years before that, uh-huh. but like this, like solid, solid, like. Mikey memory Mikey. is your birthday <laughs> party when we went like water fighting in Rock Canyon Park like oh, fifth yeah. or sixth grade. We got like a bunch of these like dollar store water guns that mm. look just like a like a big plunger. It's like a crayon. Yeah, it looks you, like, like a soak crayon. it up and then oh, maybe they work more. really good because they shoot super far. Oh yeah, yeah. What, we, you, uh, what grade was that? I want to say sixth grade, mm, like I remember right, mm, right okay. after, because oh, my birthday was always like on the last day of school or like yeah. the weekend right after school. Got yeah. Out. Oh, what it was, it was right after, right after school ended, and the last day of sixth grade, like we do a dance festival, and like you, me, Brighton, and somebody else, we went to stands. Like, after it, we went and got some mm. cash from our parents and, like, went and got lunch. Yeah. We walked all the way down, and we walked over to Brighton's house. And then you're like, dude, you guys got to come to my party. Let's get it. Dude. That's, it. That's lit. I mean, I feel bad for the Wasatch graduating class of 2020 because they cool. – did they do any – I mean, I don't yeah, – I don't, I don't think, think so. I mean, it was all online. Because school got out. But usually they do this big, like, dance festival where every grade has, like, a different dance. Mm-hmm. So, like, first grade is – I mean, it's kind of changed. I feel like I can't remember what 
our first grade dance was. Do you remember what it was? I don't remember the first grade. I know kindergarten's like the jello dance. Yeah, I wasn't here in kindergarten. So simple. And then that always changes. Fourth grade is when you do like the kind of showcase because you do the fourth grade dance. Uh-huh. And it's like a showcase. I remember the second grade was like the... I'm the blue, I, the I'm yeah, blue, yeah, da, yep, da, yep. Da, da, da. yeah, and everyone wears blue shirts and has these little cutouts of it. Wait, which was there. the one that was like the? That's the, the first jungle. grade. That's the first grade one. That's oh, the first, first grade. grade. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Because yeah. third grade is that that pole where you're like doing that Native oh, American the... like pole dance or whatever yeah. it is. And then fifth grade's like some hip hop dance. They you have like two PVC pipes. Yeah. And then. A person on one side, a person on the other side, and then a person in the middle that, like, jumps and, like, steps in between it you while you're, like, bouncing it and then clinging it together. Yeah. Fifth grade's the hip-hop, and then sixth grade's the maypole. Uh, yeah, the maypole is just, like, you make a giant braid. There's, like, a giant, like, flagpole, like, wooden post with a bunch of ribbons, like, different colored ribbons, and everybody is holding one ribbon, and you go walk and weave around each other, mm-hmm. and by the end of the dance, if you don't, like, fuck it up, <laughs> you have like a perfect braided yeah little weave, thing. weaves it all the way down yeah however there's oh, always yeah. that one kid that ruins it for everybody and you yeah. can see it all you always come around you see the messed up weave and you're like my guy come mm-hmm. on johnny Hiram. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember when i first moved to utah um my first two friends were Hiram and joseph <laughs> And I come, I come back home, and my mom's like, "Do you make any friends?" I was like, "Yeah, Hiram and Joseph." And it was just so funny to them because it's like, of course, in Hiram Utah, Hiram and Joseph are like the two names. I never even heard the name Hiram until I met you guys and came here. I really, like I, I didn't know that really that bad. existed as a potential option as a name. Yeah, Hiram. Hiram's a homie. Hiram's dope. I literally just realized that he's named after Hiram Smith. And who is Hiram Smith named after? Hiram, like Joseph, I don't know, Joseph Smith's brother or somebody's Hiram Smith. And I don't know where that name came from, but... Truman, you want to hear a Mormon fact? Let's hear it. Joseph Smith had a brother named Juan Carlos. Really? <laughs> Are you kidding wait, wait, me? I'm pretty sure it was Juan Carlos. It was like a really... Here, let me... I'm going to Google it right now just to double check. So who's Hiram Smith? How is he He was Joseph related? Smith's brother. Yeah, so and he was... Brother? Uh-huh. He was like one of his like sidekicks in the mm-hmm. initial process Batman of Robin. starting the religion. Oh, it's Don Carlos, not Juan Carlos. Don Carlos. <laughs> Dude, that kind of sounds like like a porn star name. Don Carlos. Don Carlos. Cuz there's like there's like uh William, Samuel, Hiram, Alvin, Don uh Don Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, pretty funny. Because, I mean, when yeah. the Mormons came west to Utah, Utah was part of Mexico. Yeah. Utah wasn't in the United States. So they technically fled the country. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> they were practicing polygamy, and the government was not cool with that. And so they're like, okay, let's get out of this and country. And starting yeah. their own bank and creating their own currency. Right. Yeah, that was one of the reasons. Utah is one of the last states to be recognized as a state in, like, the continental besides, obviously, Hawaii and mm. Alaska. Because... They were holding out. They're like, no, we want to, we want to be polygamists here. And they're like, well, if you want to be a state, you gotta stop this. So it took them like so long. Just came in here and just took out all the Native Americans. Yikes! <laughs> a couple gruesome massacres out there. 
Mountain Meadow Massacre. Oh yeah. Anyway, I think you something changes. I mean, reroute. On one more thing on this, I feel like something that's interesting is like growing up in Pennsylvania. We like kind of just by nature in elementary school and whatnot learn about Pennsylvania history, but like uh-huh. it wasn't until I got out here that I was like, wait, like everyone does that, but just with their own state, you know. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's like had I, Utah history. I had like I had no idea. I almost like didn't realize that there were histories of other states. You know. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. like, like, like on the East Coast, it's like you learn about the colonies, right? Yeah. The thirteen colonies, uh-huh. and it's like, oh yeah, like that's how it is. You know. Mm-hmm. And I was always a little fuzzy about the colonies. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I could probably name like eight of them, maybe. Yeah. It's but so interesting. We learned like the colonies, and then you learn like. California, because everyone came over there for the gold rush, and that's like all the histories you learn about the other states. Yeah, we didn't learn really much. I mean, we learned about the Oregon Trail. Yeah, but you didn't learn about this is the place. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's just like Brigham Young was made it into the valley and was just like said, "This is the place. (laughs) This is it." I don't. Did you guys learn about like Benjamin Franklin and stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you learn okay. about some, like, the real high-level basic things, but they don't dive in. We did a field trip to the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia. Dude, I was always jealous of the kids that got to do dope field, like, yeah, field trips. We, like, we, a field trip to D.C. Yeah. Or to New York City. Yeah. I was like, kids get a field trip to New York? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The coolest things we ever did was going up to the This Is The Place monument. Yeah, or the Bean Museum. Yeah. <laughs> Just looking at stuffed animals. Yeah. That, yeah, that is a benefit of the East Coast because they're so close to, like, major things. You know, yeah. like, I was, uh, Michaela was asking me, like, because uh, I was like, we were talking about Florida, and I was like, I think that you would like Florida a lot because she's, like, always cold, and I was like, she likes humid weather and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. She's never been there. I was like, we need to go. Like, it's not even that expensive to go from Pennsylvania to Florida. And she was like, how much, how long would it be if we drive? And I was like, oh, you would never want to drive. But then I was like, wait, but like we drive to California all the time and it's like 12 hours, mm-hmm. you know, but we don't think about that as being like a long time, you know, yeah. like it's, it's not unbearable. It, but like from Pennsylvania, to Florida is like maybe 15. And, and also I'm like, like but that's in like, Florida. that's like, like uh, Orlando versus Miami. Well, yeah. So Orlando, like I, my sister Talia did um, her graduate school in Orlando and mm-hmm. she made it back in 15 from there. But it's like, it put into perspective uh, how like far I like, I always thought that Pennsylvania to Florida was like this unimaginable distance because uh-huh. we only like as a family drove it once, but like we did the California thing like. Sometimes like twice in a month. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, I got PTSD from going to Florida. Oh yeah. <laughs> what happened in Florida? Well, so when I was younger, my family like I since so growing up with a big family, you don't travel very much, unless you're like super rich, you know? Yeah. Because you got to worry about you know six homies or five homies that and it, so it it adds up. So yeah. we didn't really or you do a lot of road trips, but you don't fly on a plane very much. So this was like the first like family trip where we all flew on a plane and it was going to naples florida for like a family reunion and i remember like getting on the plane there's this picture of my little brother sam and it was like his first time on the plane and he's like so excited and then within like two minutes he was out cold (laughs) the rest of the flight so we get to florida and 
I I mean I don't know what it is about my bitch ass ears, but I got the worst swimmer's ear and ear infections the whole trip. Oh, I was just wow. in crazy pain. And I mean we did like the you know the Florida thing, you know, we ate alligator chicken nuggets and uh, uh rode on one of those airboats you know, yeah. with the giant fans yeah. on the back yeah. and um ate frog legs, you know, it looks like chicken legs. I don't know if that's a Florida thing, but it in my head, it seems like a Florida thing because I like did it, it in Florida. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I was just like, my ears were just like killing me the whole time. That's the worst. I got an ear infection one time. Yeah, big family. You don't do a lot of, of outings. And so our outing for the year was like going camping up in the Uintas. Mm. And uh, I went swimming in some lake, and I got a nasty ear infection. Luckily, it wasn't bad when we were there, but when we got back, it was like a week and a half, and I was just like always just in the worst pain. I had to get like these eardrops and just like yeah. lay on my side for uh-huh. like half hour while they soak in. Yeah. Miserable. Have you ever had an ear infection, True? Um, I think I did one time when I was younger, but I can't really remember it being that. Uh, I don't know. It just kind of blanked out of my mind yeah, if yeah. I did have it. You're one of the lucky ones. <laughs> I guess I haven't gotten one in a, in a, a while. But I don't go swimming very frequently. <laughs> it's probably part of why I don't want to get my ears. Yeah. Oh yeah. But um, so you've been doing your jewelry thing. Yeah. How like uh, how's it been during pandemic? Uh, I mean, this is a good hobby because you just get to chill in your studio yeah, and just, like create. It's nice because I I'm super crafty and like I gotta be doing something with my hands, like making something, working on <laughs> working on something, you know. Otherwise, I just I feel like I'm going mad, you know, and and uh, so, my God, <laughs> um, I've always just been making stuff. I don't know from the t- I I have like a a memory when I was like five or six. It's like early early memory. Like my mom had these cardboard boxes. Like we got like a fridge or something. It was just a huge cardboard box, and I was like, you could just make anything out of this. And I like cut it up with some scissors and and made like ninja stars. And me and some homie from the neighborhood just throwing them around the yard, and I was like, "Oh, you can make something. You like, you don't have to go buy it. You can just make it." Yeah. And so that's how I've always tried to be. Like my whole life, I was like, "Well, if I can make it, I'm gonna make it. I'm not gonna pay somebody else to make it." Yeah, totally. And I, and I like that because then you can you know understand how things work and how things come together. And like with cars, that's super valuable because like like replacing your brakes, that's like a $300 job if you take it to an auto shop, but you can go get the parts for 40, 50 bucks at mm-hmm. most and then spend an hour and get it done, save that money, you yeah. know? And I just always, you know, always been that way. And, uh, I can't remember exactly what started it. Oh, it was, uh, I love, I love wearing jewelry. Yeah. But never been able to like afford anything super super nice, and so I'm always just getting like rings from like H and M, Amazon, all all these places, just things that I thought looked cool, and and then I'd be wearing them for a week, and it's it's plated, it's just copper underneath, and then your fingers are just bright green. Mm-hmm. And I was just embarrassed. I'm always trying to like hide hide the green fingers, yeah. and I'm like, oh man. And so when I learned that, oh, you can just make stuff that won't do that. Got to do it, you know, mm-hmm. and. And uh, initially it was last Christmas. I, I like to make... Last make, Christmas, <laughs> I gave him my heart. 
I like to make uh, Christmas presents for my family. Yeah. And uh, I was like, okay, what's something new I could do this year? And I was like, oh, jewelry. I could, I could, I could plan that out. Yeah, and and so it took like two months. I think I started like last November. So we're about to the one-year mark I've been working on them. And it was really slow for a while, just kind of doing stuff for my girlfriend, Kylie, and, you know, for my siblings and stuff like that. Just always been on the side. But then I lost my job because of Corona. Mm-hmm. Doing events, you can't can't do events, you know. And yeah. so I was like, all right. Had way more time, and I was just able to make a lot more stuff and kind of push myself to do more unique stuff, stuff I hadn't seen. Made the IG um, account. Yeah. It's crazy how that's like literally all you got to do to really get started with the business. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's like a upper threshold where you got to be, you know, getting a, a studio and, and selling thousand dollar rings, but you can do anything. You can just make an Instagram and, and start selling whatever you can make. Getting custom orders, yeah. people DMing you. Yeah. And, and people like to support local stuff which mm-hmm. i've really noticed this past couple months i've started selling at the farmers markets mm. and uh there's a few other booths there selling jewelry probably like three or four other booths but i walked around like the week before i started i was like hey let's kind of get a feel for what's going on here you know and uh looked at all the other rings there there's one guy that only sells rings um and he does have some higher end like native american made turquoise jewelry um, but those are all like hundred dollar rings, you know, and people aren't really buying those at the farmer's market, right. you know, but then he's just got like, I don't know, 10 other trays that have like 200 rings. They're like Amazon rings. And, I, and I'm like, what is this? I noticed this, the one that stood out the most, that kind of blew my mind. There's just these like aluminum rings and they're painted like any random color. And they just have like little slits carved in the side. Mm-hmm. And I was like, as soon as I saw them, I was like, wait. These are the rings that you would get for 25 cents at a grocery store. Like you put, the, you know, the gumball machine. And I was How like, much is he selling them for? Selling them for two bucks. And I'm like, I mean, that's cheap. So people are buying them. Yeah. But I'm like, that's a 25 cent ring at the grocery store and they're making a profit. And so I was <laughs> yeah. a little confused. And so I, I went on, online doing some research and I found those same exact rings on Alibaba. You, you buy them in like 500 lot like 500 piece lots and they're two cents a piece and i'm like dude this is not what we should be selling at a farmer's market like it should be local stuff it should be handmade like you go there to buy food from local farmers like it should that's that's the kind of environment that it should be you know and so really pushed me to make stuff that people can afford but people will want too. And, yeah. and sterling silver is really that sweet spot because it's not too cheap to invest in uh-huh. and to like start making stuff in, but it's high enough quality that it's not going to turn your fingers green. It's not going to wear away and turn into another color or anything like that. People mm. people like silver jewelry, and so. And how much on average do you sell like a ring for? Um, it really depends. So like, like one with like like a solid like uh, the one you did for Marissa or like the one that a- Ashley has. It has like. A, a stone on it and like bezels and whatever yeah so little, little fancier stuff like that will be usually like in the 50 dollar range but dude the number i mean can't see on on video but these stacker rings just plain silver bands uh-huh. um 
people just go crazy for those. Yeah. And so that's a lot of my time is just making little simple bands. And uh, I sell these guys $10 or, or three for 20. Mm. And that's the sweet spot. I mean, and like, obviously, Dude, that's I w- not bad at all. I wish I could be, you know, making $1,000 rings, but you got to start somewhere, yeah. you know, yeah, and, and this has really pushed me to like refine my process and how I make them, you know, being as efficient as possible. And, and uh, every week you can kind of see what sells and see, you know, kind of guess what's going to sell next week, you know, mm-hmm. buy that. And, and so people really like the simple stuff, the small, yeah. like, there's a word, but it's, it's not in my head right now. Kind of elegant, but like, that's not the word. I don't know. Um, there's like simple like bands yeah like just stuff that's not too chunky which i like the chunky stuff and so that's what i made for a long time was just big kind of fancier stuff big turquoise whatever but i realized people like you know the little more minimalist look which i should have realized that's what i wear every day like i like the chunky rings but i just wear i wear these four every day so does anyone at the farmer's market do spoon rings um no no, those, I need to do that. Yeah, those I like. I guess in high school, those were like the rings that really got me into rings because they have cool designs from like the handles of the spoons, mm-hmm. but then they're really flat and simple. Like it doesn't catch on your pockets or anything like mm-hmm. that. And yeah, I just like go to DI, get like a bunch of vintage. Dude, I've I've been searching it. for them. I've been going to the thrift stores, and I don't know if people buy them up and sell them online because there wasn't people selling them there. But there's just not silver. Uh, spoons or forks or utensils mm. they're just not there they're just all bought out and i'm like okay somebody's making them yeah mm-hmm. someone is but yeah i really i really like spoon rings that's one of the first things that uh in high school same i started wearing and it didn't turn my fingers green i was mm-hmm. like okay these are cool and yeah. i still have like probably four or five that i wore yeah, through high school mm-hmm. you know and and that's the thing is once you have a quality product it's worth so much more than 10 cheap products mm-hmm. yeah because i could buy 10 rings that i wear for a week and turn my finger green and then i keep them in a box in my closet and i never wear them again because i don't want my fingers to turn green yeah so eventually of course be making gold diamond you know engagement rings stuff like that but you gotta start somewhere and i feel like i'm you know on my way now and i'm definitely a lot better than when i started and you know that's all you can do is just try to get better yeah yeah what i like about uh your story with that is like what you explained i think it was like the last time that we went longboarding is like how like you've been into jewelry for a while and you wanted to do it but like there was never like a reason to do it yeah up until corona happened and i was listening to uh an episode of jesse reed's podcast the other or yesterday i think it was and it was like this episode on manifesting and she says like there's like two different like states that we try to manifest from one's like uh, want like wanting things to happen and having to have them happen mm. and like the difference in those is like like I want to get a new car or something like that like an example or like a new apartment or something like that and most people have things like that um, and it's like when it's convenient I'll do it that's the difference and it's like when I have a little bit extra money I'll do it but like having to is like you kind of create like either like this will happen unconsciously in your life with like something like Corona Mm -hmm. or if you were just like, like screw it, I'm quitting my job. Like something where you just like create, like you Mm -hmm. burn the ships behind you. Yeah. Like that's where we actually create like 
change in our life is from like those moments of like whether life does that to you or you create that yourself of like you jump in and you're gonna swim or you're gonna drown yeah because like and i like when i listened to that i was like that makes so much sense because like we did that so many times in the past few years and a lot of it was like we could have been smarter about it (laughs) but like it's like like with our last apartment like we like uh got it before we knew that like we had secure income to do it but every month pretty much except for the last few we figured (laughs) (laughs) we we didn't have any issues getting it you know like paying yeah like we we were able to like pay rent every single time and but like the difference is like if you didn't have that thing you probably wouldn't have done it you know what i mean a hundred percent and like so that's the thing that like I'm trying to like implement more in my life too is like how can I create like an environment of like like expectation of like this is going to happen type of thing like like let's say you want a new car like go do the down payment or something or like or whatever. put a date yeah put a date attaching dates to goals yeah. is something that I feel like is slept on like, yeah so it's just like okay a goal is to uh I want to yeah get this car mm-hmm. but the goal if that's just going to get pushed back forever if you don't, like, refine that goal. Yeah. Like, set the goal properly. Right. Yeah. That's totally how it was with the jewelry because, I mean, like I said, it started in November last year. And, I I mean, probably made 100 rings in the span of November to May. Mm-hmm. And that's not a lot. I mean, it sounds like a lot, but if you break it down, that's, like, you know, 15 a month. That's you know, one every four days that or whatever. I mean, yeah, you know. yeah. And it's not that much, but once I didn't have income, I was like, oh, like I was really, really comfortable at my last job. Yeah. And and it was fun. And I liked, I liked doing events and meeting new people. Um, but I wasn't ever, like I couldn't. Like something advance. in your soul needed to be. Yeah, like, like I, I knew I couldn't become the manager because there was only one guy above me at the place so i was like well this is where i'm gonna be here and i was there for like three years Mm -hmm. just doing almost the same exact thing and it was a blast but it wasn't pushing me it wasn't making me feel like i was progressing at all right and so once i had that need like i had no more income and i was like oh i have to pay my phone bill i have to pay rent i gotta pay off this credit card that i like use my credit card every month when I have income because I know I can pay it off. And I'm like, well, now I have debt on my credit card that I need to pay off. Right, right. And I really, I mean, I get most people really like having a a stable job and and having a nine to five that that works for them because it's reliable and consistent. But after after that job, I was like, "Ah, you know what? I I really want to... I really want to make money for myself mm-hmm. because, you know, I'm doing events. I could see what money was coming in and then I know how much I'm getting paid. I'm like, well, like this is a lot more money than I'm getting paid, you know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and obviously, you know, it's cause that's you how it's always going to be. Yeah. That's how it's always yeah. going to be at any job. Right. But I was like, Hey, I could just be the highest in whatever business I'm doing. And then I get all the extra money. Mm-hmm. And of course that means you're 100% responsible for all the work, too. And uh, at first, yeah. until you can yeah, learn yeah. to create systems, yeah. hire, delegate. Yeah. That's when it starts to get fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I had to, I was like, okay, I have to provide value now uh-huh. with what I can do. 
and uh, I tried a few little things uh, you know tried working on like some sculptures but man that's still maybe gonna pan out but we'll see but jewelry was something that I already had at least a little bit I already had the skills and so the turnaround like, time with jewelry versus a sculpture yeah you can exactly. make a ring in a night versus exactly. if it takes you three weeks exactly that was like one of the things with like our most previous offer through Temple Mill is we were doing creating series and it's like, yeah, we could charge a lot of money for it, but <laughs> to deliver it, if it took, took so six long. months to finish, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like, or unless you want to start charging, you know, hundred hundreds of thousands of dollars for it, then okay, dope. This project will take us eight months or whatever. Mm-hmm. But even then, I don't know. There, you got to get that turnaround time quicker yeah, so that you can like pump it out, like treat it like a machine. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's totally how it's been. And being able to set my own hours is the number one most valuable thing for me Mm. because I don't know if it's just my personality, (laughs) but man, there's some days where I wake up and it's like even making jewelry, which I love is just like the last thing I want to do that day. I'm like, I don't want to do anything else. Like I'll take my dogs over to the park for like an hour and a half because I'm just dreading coming back home knowing that I'm going to have to do something. Yeah. But then there's some days I wake up and I'm like, Let's get started. And then I just work till 2 a.m. because I'm just in a flow and I'm going. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe I, I obviously I have to work on being more consistent, but the ability to set my own hours and like work when I want to has been like the most rewarding thing. And providing stuff that I see people like and I see them post photos of them and like brag to their friends. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's such a like fulfilling feeling. And that drive that. to go the extra mile when it's contributing to your own brand instead yeah. of somebody else's, yeah, totally different. It's like, why would you go above and beyond if you know that you're still going to get paid the same versus with your jewelry or with whatever it is that you're creating in your life? You know, if you just, you know, go, if you go harder, you will see more out of it. Yeah. And you my, get what you put in. Exactly. My first week selling um dude i was so timid and shy and scared i was like oh man i don't know how this is gonna go i don't know what's gonna happen but it kind of felt like i don't know the universe kind of set me up at the perfect spot because right across the little aisle from me was this guy selling uh, gems just different kinds of rocks and stuff and i was blown away because at first i saw him and i I feel bad now but i was a little judgy i was a little like man this guy kind of looks like a little rough like he's got a you know scruffy beard and like a ponytail and you know uh, i don't know about this guy but then i saw the way that he talked to everybody that came by his booth and he's like just so charismatic uh-huh. and so like outgoing and just nice and funny to everyone and uh, and i saw how many people are just going through him and not even 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 if they weren't buying something they were staying with him to talk and i was mm-hmm. like okay okay that's that's the key and you know and and my, my name is on the sign. It's Adam's Jewelry, you know. Yeah. And so people come up and they're like, hey, Adam, you know, these, this is what you make, you know. And, and you can make a sale if you get the conversation and, and you explain to them, yeah, I, I hand make all of these, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, the story about that rock that we found, like people yeah. love that. I'm like, yeah, this, this rock is from right here. Like I, I was hiking with some buddies and I found this cool rock yeah. and I was like, whoa, cut it up and made jewelry and – that's even like more valuable than, yeah. than just being locally made. It's yeah, out of you local can set stuff. You whatever you wanted it to. It's perceived value. It's whatever yeah. you set it at. Yeah. Like even though you're like, yeah, I found this rock for free and I bought this silver for this much and whatever, they don't know that. 
Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. not that you're trying to deceive them or anything, but it's just that you get to set the value for it, you know? That yeah. comes with just, like, selling yourself. Because like, I felt a lot of that with selling photography at first starting. Like, a photo is, like, a digital thing. It's, it's hard to set a, a price point on it. And it's not just directly, okay, if you have this camera, then your photo's worth this much money. Or, yeah. cause it's like, what is the photo of? Or, and it's all relative to whoever it is. But once you can start to learn about that value for yourself, then you can start to bump it up. Dude, you gain more confidence as you start charging more. You're like, oh, someone's willing to buy this for 200 bucks? Yeah, I'll sell it for 200. Three hundred, yeah, five hundred. I had some thousand dollars. Yeah, I had someone come by the other day, and they were like, "Hey, I, I'll drop a hundred dollars on this ring if you can get this stone for me and, and make something, you know, make something beautiful for me." And I was like, "Yeah, I can do that," you know. And I and I did it, make the sale, and I was like, "Oh wow, that's like way more valuable than you know." Like a lot of the time, I'm just making stuff I think people will like, and I'm putting it out, you know, just kind of guessing it. And I can tune that over the weeks and see what sells and make more of that. But when someone comes to you and they're like, hey, you, this is like worth even more than you thought, mm-hmm. that is a great feeling, you know, because that's, that's moving up the ladder up to that next level of making gold jewelry, making, you know, engagement mm-hmm. rings that are worth 10K. Like, yeah, it's all baby steps, you know. Dude, totally. Yeah, I, I bought like a simple gold band from uh, Truman's cousin for like, two or three hundred bucks or whatever and like she was able to like engrave like a date on the side of it <laughs> justina uh-huh, just i forgot about that and ashley still wears that ring like oh, almost yeah. every day you know like wow. it's one of her favorite rings and like asking a couple hundred dollars for a ring like even like a hundred dollars for a ring you could sell rings for a hundred bucks all day mm-hmm. you know yeah it's just about finding the people like and um, I mean, there's a couple like really good sales books like that you could like let you borrow to check out. But totally, like one of them talks about like people don't like to be sold, but they love to buy. You know, so if they feel like you're like needy, like you need them to buy this from you or whatever, versus they know your story, they know the the background of making the ring, and they're like, I want that story yeah. on my hands. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Like that ring stories. is more than just a ring. Yeah. It's a story. I feel like people. It's a, People buy feelings too, uh-huh. like yeah. like the feeling that you get from even just wearing that Apple Watch. Yeah, like, it's like, wow, that's sick. You know, well, they like, connect with the feeling, like a, uh-huh. a frequency. Yeah, you know, that's what like Bob Proctor talks about uh-huh. a lot, because it's like your thoughts. It starts with your thoughts, and then it turns into your how you feel, your mood. Do you feel good? And then those feelings are what you're putting out that attract other people that are looking that have those same feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Dude, that goes with it. Yeah, your jewelry, everything that you're selling. That makes I mean, when you say that it just brings this into my head. There's this one girl. Her name's Kelly and uh she's come by my booth every single week I'm there and it's always dropping like 200 bucks buying things for her friends and make like asking me to make custom stuff. Yeah. And I just really developed I mean, there's other people like her, but just this this one girl stands out. She just comes by and like, we just build that relationship. And and she, every week she brings somebody else to come check it out. And like, that's so much more valuable than, you know, if I were to spend fifteen dollars on a lot of little cute rings from Amazon and, and sell them for five bucks a piece. Mm-hmm. You know, like 
there's not there's not a story there. It's not a feeling. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just totally. like, oh, this is, you know, a cute little ring. And uh-huh. some people, that's what they want. But like the value is in that feeling, that relationship yep. you get with people that like your stuff and they like to see what you're going to do next, you know? Dude, and people love supporting artists. Oh, Supporting yeah. friends, supporting individuals, you know? Like, even like this Temple Mill hoodie I'm wearing, it's just a plain black hoodie and it says Temple Mill on it. But it's like, if someone were to buy it, wear it, whatever, they're like, oh, this is my buddy Mike's company. It's not just a black hoodie. Yeah. yeah. This is Mike's brand and I, I want to support Mike by wearing that hoodie, you know? Yeah. And being able to just like share that feeling with other people. Oh, yeah. Dude, that's what it's all about is that feeling. And it's cool because then you can, um, like, that girl, you can, like, offer her better rings, you know? Because she's oh, yeah. been coming so much. Like, you can be, like, you can then open the conversation. Like, because now you have a relationship with her, whereas if you were just, like, getting one-off uh, deals with those Amazon ones, they're yeah. just kind of, like, gone. But yeah. if they're, like, coming back all the time because they like the quality, you're able to, like, have a conversation about like, Hey, like what, like, what do you like? Um, like, what can I do for you now? Like mm-hmm. it's cause like we experienced that in Temple Mill, just like with Ulysses, uh-huh. like it was just at the point where he was like buying so many videos. We we're like, what else can we do for you? Like, yeah, like or- that same way that Kelly <laughs> was dropping like, you know, 200, 400 bucks, whatever. Ulysses would just be like five grand, 10 grand, like thousands and thousands of dollars just cons- for a course of years. Yeah. yeah. And, it's like that same premise of just like he loved our art so much and like he was a part of our journey that like he like growing with us we grew like at the same time and um yeah people love that yeah it's all about it's all about those connections and when and once you have the value to be able to support other people you will jump at the opportunity because yes. you know how good it feels to be supported. Yeah, mm-hmm. You know how good it feels when someone's like, dude, I can see that that's your dream and you're doing it and I'm going to help you out. Like, That's been so valuable to me seeing people that want to support me. Like, I can't wait till I have just some money to drop it on, you know, whatever. People yes. are working on it and just being able to help out whoever. Dude, totally. You know, and that's what we're seeing. We're just seeing the other side of that. People uh-huh. like Ulysses and this girl Kelly and while it's on, you know, yeah completely different you know ends of the spectrum like those are people who have extra money and they like helping out people who are grinding you know Mm -hmm. and that's what i like i like the the feeling of of working towards something and making something for yourself you know like not working for somebody else and yeah there's a kind of select breed of people that are like that you know and so it's going to be cool once we're just at that god tier money and and resources where we can just connect people and Uh help out whoever we can dude and those Mm -hmm. individuals they gravitate towards like you not who you're trying to be or like they they gravitate towards like authentic individuals that are expressing themselves like not people that are you know ripping off other people trying to be something they're not and like to get supported for being yourself, game changer. It's amazing. It's like, how can you go back mm-hmm. from not doing that? And then it's just like pushes you down to continue. It's like a snowball effect. Bigger and bigger and you keep growing, you keep growing, you keep doing more jewelry, mm-hmm. you keep building your brand and then you keep getting more Kellys. Yep. Yeah, and that's what I'm realizing is I, I have a little deal where I'm like, 
uh, hey, follow follow my jewelry Instagram page and you can get five dollars off a purchase. You know, oh, lit. and every single person that buys something follows the page too, um, of course. But then what I'm seeing is people who don't even buy stuff are following the page. They're like, "Well, this is cool stuff. Let me follow you. You're local, yeah, yeah. I live literally like five blocks that way. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Let me let me follow you. And then what I'm noticing is I'll get you know twenty, thirty more followers on a Saturday. While I'm there, but then it trickles out throughout the whole entire week. I see, I get three more this day. I get a couple more that, and I'm. I mean, it's totally like embarrassing, but I'm not posting as much as I should be on that page. So I know that like people following me now are from word of mouth. Like, yeah, hey, you got that ring? Yeah, let me show you his Instagram, and then getting just getting That's more so and more cool. and more. It's literally a snowball. Yeah, just keeps going. You don't know it'd be dope to get a like farmer's market booth for the podcast and just do a live podcast and not sell anything but just promote like uh you know people to follow a page or to just like check it out just from people walking by and they'll be like oh what's what's this podcast because there's hundreds of people walking around i'm sure your instagram account is growing Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, and there'll be every once in a while get a follower, then just goes through and likes all the previous posts and stuff yes. like that. Uh huh. Cause like, with like YouTube videos or podcasts or whatever, someone's yeah, some people are just gonna listen to one, but then there's like those few that start at the beginning, listen to all of them, and you start building, you know, raving fans. Yeah, those are the ones that are. It's like that, like ten to twenty percent of your fan, like on my Instagram account. Yeah, I I used to be able to get, you know, thousands of likes on certain photos. My last post got under 200 likes. I don't give a fuck because there's certain people that are still liking it that are those 10% of my followers. They vibe with me so hard that I'm like, I'm doing it for y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Not for the other. I don't care about the fluff, the other people. Yeah. And once that like, once they start growing up a little bit more, you get more of that support. It's just like energy. It keeps yeah. you going. It's real support. Yeah. And I've had the same exact thing with like the Twitter, for example. Mm-hmm. Like I use Time Hop. And so that shows you, you know, five years ago, you tweeted this. Four years ago, this, that, you know, so and so. And every once in a while, I just hop on there to like, if I'm replying to someone, I go see what the, the story was. Mm-hmm. And I'm like seeing just random tweets that are getting like 60, 70 likes. I'm like, what the heck? But now my tweets now are like, five to ten but every single person on that list is people who i love like it's like my family and my best friends and like i know that they totally understand me and it's not just some random girl that followed me when i was in high school or something Mm -hmm. like that like and that's so much more valuable it's like people who who like support you not just yeah oh followed you because they fall you know you followed them and some following spree you did you know like yeah yeah it's real support and it's also like the the value in polarity because it's like being a polar figure is going to just brush away all the fake ones off the top and then the the real ones are gonna be there they're gonna stay there and the ones that don't vibe with it like it's good like get them out of the way sooner than later you know if they don't you know, support you because some you got tattoos. You don't. I don't want you to be a a fan of mine anyway. You know, yeah. and you start to just build this authentic audience of like like minded individuals. Yeah, that's that's something I really noticed. Uh, I mean, people who know me know. You know, a few years ago, I went through kind of a, a 
religious awakening, mm-hmm. kind of realizing uh, a lot of things about what I was taught when I was younger. Um, and uh, I had a lot of anger. I was pretty, pretty yeah. upset that I kind of felt like I was lied to for a while. Uh-huh. Um, and I really just, I didn't care. I was just, I was posting just memes, ripping on Joseph Smith and Brigham Young. And, and like, I posted those to Facebook because I knew my audience on Facebook was all people from the ward yeah like family <laughs> members and, and other members of the church and i was like hey like this is what i'm going through guys if if you're you know and dude it's literally that, it's know? like when you when you announce it's like coming out yeah <laughs> you know it literally like i at times there's still people that i bump into that aren't fully updated with where i'm at in life but when you go from one place to another place you're a totally different person. Mm-hmm. And even like knowing you, like seeing how much you've grown over the last, like those last three or four years from when you were, you know, very vocal on Facebook, posting a lot of things. Like a lot of my family members were like <laughs> commenting, beefing with you. Yeah. And it's like where you are now, like you seriously have grown a ton. Mm-hmm. And it's not that it's a bad thing to share those thoughts on Facebook. Like, because it's your Facebook page. You're allowed to talk about whatever you want to. That's like your voice. Mm -hmm. But like letting go of that anger and like being able to move on, not let that hold you back. Yeah. Just shows like how much stronger you can be than the hate out there. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's like the stage of stages of grief, you Mm -hmm. know? And I was just going through that anger one where I was like, man, like, fuck the church and like fuck anybody who believes in this stuff like you can't see how harmful this is and you're blind and stupid and i hate you and i had a lot of people messaging me and like there's two different kinds of messages i got was like hey like dude you're gonna regret this like you don't know what you're saying you don't know who you're gonna hurt and then i had other people messaging me that were like dude yes Uh i felt this i felt that and and that was some people who I knew had left the church or, or were never in the church and just kind of annoyed with the Mormon culture. Or, um, But what I was surprised was a lot of people who were still in the church and still, you know, like, you know, fathers and mothers to families. And I know that they're going to church, but they're like, yeah, like, it's really frustrating. And that's the kind of people I like. I like the critical thinkers mm-hmm. who are who are aware of what's going on, aware of the situations and, you know, the way it can be a affecting people even if they don't know you know that's it's pretty valuable once you realize the kind of i don't know i I always say it's like 80 percent of people who are like unconscious and not like they're knocked out but like they're just not really aware of what's going on they're in the motions yeah they're just in the rat race they're just you know working the nine to five there's nothing wrong with working a nine to five there's Mm -hmm. people who are conscious who work nine to fives yeah but like everyone's just stuck in everything like you can get stuck in life is meant to just grab you and get you addicted to video games or or weed or (laughs) sex or any of these things you know like you can fall down any rabbit hole and you really got to be conscious of these things to kind of keep your ship upright and and moving forward and as you mature and you grow up you realize the other people that are similar to you Mm. and those are the most valuable to have in your life yeah, like you find your like tribe. you guys like Truman meeting Truman yeah like I mean 
Truman's been like a, a father figure to me, man. Like I like appreciate that. His, his maturity and like m- mindset, you know, about life is so has been such a blessing to me, and it's all about meeting meeting people and finding the people that benefit your life and things that benefit your life. Dude, and what's dope about Truman is like he's got a similar background, yes. but yet at the same time totally different so like we can connect and like he understands like you and me so well mm-hmm. to be able to just give us that like perfect advice like what we need to hear because oh yeah you know he's just like farther along on his path that he's just like guys this way but it's like the <laughs> let per- me show you <laughs> come the, on it's the perfect amount uh-huh because yeah it's not like it's i'm not talking too far. yeah i'm not talking to a 40 year old uh-huh. yeah. who didn't know what it's like growing up in the time that we grew up in yeah and is dealing with the same stuff but just just so much more mature than me where i'm like everything he says i'm like yes yes this is awesome i can benefit from this this is valuable and that i mean i said valuable before but like that is so valuable for your life yeah having having people, mentors like that yeah when like the people where you have a conversation with them, you hang out with them, and you leave, and you're like, yeah, I feel yeah, better. Feel I feel something. smarter. Like, mm-hmm. I feel validated and understood. Like, that is valuable. It's so much so much more valuable than leaving a conversation frustrated that someone didn't listen to you or they talk too much or anything. Like, mm-hmm. finding the people that, I don't like to use the word, but like the people you vibe with, like, that's what life's about. Finding finding the people that help you mm-hmm. and yeah, same wavelength. trying to, you know, not totally shun people who don't help you. Cause obviously sometimes that's your family. Sometimes your family's not on the same wave as you and you can still interact with them. You can still hang out with them. But when you get in a relationship and a conversation with someone so mature and like valuable, it's like a breath of fresh air. We're like, you get me you get like the thoughts in my head that i feel like nobody does bro and it's like when you put out anger you get back yep. anger you know yeah. like when you were going through that phase did were there any people that you were able to like actually change their minds i mean not i don't know there's many people who messaged me they were like hey i've, I've been noticing these things too and oh. I, you know I, i'd point them to like the ces letter and be like Hey, this is the thing that cemented it for me, you know, and, and, and for some people that's super helpful, but, but you're totally right. When you put out that anger, you get anger back. I got people messaging me like, you have no idea what you're talking about. You've ne- you haven't been through the temple. You don't know, you don't know what goes on in there. And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I kind of know what's going on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But once you put out more positive energy, you just get that back. Uh-huh. And I feel like right now, like uh, you're in a better place to like bring them out than you were before. Yeah, because that's what I was gonna get to. Like now you're be a lot more effective. You're like a walking billboard for like what it can be. Like same with Mike, you know. Like, but when you're in that like negative state of like, you know, like so frustrated, people like the like the people in like a religious culture will look at that and be like. Well, see, I don't want to be like that. He seems like so frustrated all the time, you know, mm-hmm. but it's like now you're out of it and you're able to like, you now like kind of embody a different sense of like uh, peace and like strength, you know? Yeah. And like they want that, you know, dude. And it's a total 
Like it's a perfect example of the concept from the book by David Hawkins, power versus force. It's he outlines a a scale of consciousness, zero to a thousand, and essentially as the difference between force and power is force is you're like, why won't you leave the church? Don't you see all these things? Look at it, you're trying to force them. But having true power is more so where you're closer to now, as you raise higher on that scale of consciousness, you get out of those lower vibrations where you're feeling, you know, f- anger, fear, grief, shame even. And that's where you're, you know, trying to force someone. But when you can raise above that, you let all that go, you go up higher, 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 and you ascend to a, a different place, you're able to have true power to be able to actually influence people. Yeah. Like that's, that's where true influence comes from. That's something I, I uh, I'm not sure if it was a recent quote. I don't watch General Conference, of course, anymore. Um, but there was one of the 12 or the top three guys, I don't remember, who said like, oh, if you leave the, the blessings of the true restored gospel, where will you go? What will you do? And then uh, another quote from um, Russell Nelson, mm-hmm. the, the prophet. And he's like, uh, a life without God is a life of fear. And, and, and I kind of realized, I was like, uh, that's, I'm not putting out a great image, you know? And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's totally, totally what you said is like, when, if people see me mad and angry, it's they're confirming, gonna, what, it's confirming they what they think. It's confirming that if you leave the church, you're going to be mad and angry and sad. And so I was like, hmm, the best thing I can be is try to li- live a good example of how happy and fulfilled you can be yeah. without the like church. let me prove them wrong by being yeah. the, and so it's like about to dive into something day and night, day and night <laughs> difference is the the conversations i have with people about that you know about the church and the people who are more open to it because they're like oh like let's talk about this mm-hmm. i'm talking to people in the church about it now and like i would never be able to do that before mm-hmm. bro and it's not just about people in the church you know like everyone it's just about finding your own true happiness you know this isn't only about being an example towards you know religious people or whatever it's just towards everybody but that quote that say it again the russell and nelson one a life without god is a life of fear a life without god is a life of fear that uh, almost in a way feels like an expose of like religion all right i don't want to i'm just gonna say this Religion controls people in a state of fear. If you do not do these things, then you will go to hell. Therefore, people are afraid of... People fear God, fear of God. And um, say that quote one more time. A life without God is a life of fear. And so if you turn it around, a life of fear is a life without God. Instead of a life without Mm. God is a life of fear. When you're living in a state of fear, you're not... And, I mean, David Hawkins isn't, this, he's not, like, the go- the prophet guy, whatever, but his scale of consciousness really resonates Change with me. Game. And it, it also, like, you can reference other books to similar concepts. But fear is a very, very low level, uh, and it's easy to control people in those lower places, you know? That's also why, like, politics and the government, why there's all these things in the media, because they want to control yeah. society, you know? And as I've been growing spiritually and you know over the last couple years and you can 
agree with this. You can agree with this. I've been coming closer to God than ever before. I've been more spiritual than ever before. I've been more confident. I've been, I've been just becoming the best version of myself as I've been raising up, letting go. And like, um, I don't know, just when I turn, flip that quote around, it just feels very telling, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to live a life of fear. I don't want to have any fear at all. And it takes practice, like, facing fear and, like, getting to know yourself on that level, you know, a a level of, like, comfort of yourself. But Mm -hmm. as you start to do it, it's, like, the best thing ever. That's how you, like, that's how you level up. Mm -hmm. I think of, like, uh, like, talking about controlling people that are, it's easier to control people when they're in a state of fear. And I feel like a great example is, like, if, like, uh, we're in here with like 20 people and all of a sudden like a fire starts in the corner and everyone starts freaking out and then someone busts through the door and they're like who follow me i'll I'll take you like everyone's gonna be like they weren't they're not gonna question it at all because they're like like their heart rate's going crazy like they're in a state of fear like it's flight or flight like they're Mm -hmm. they're about to get out of there Uh like they're gonna they know that okay like he he knows where to go you know he's walking in here with confidence he's not in a state of fear Therefore, like he's higher up than us, but it's just like that whole that whole thing was manufactured. Versus, if there was no fire and he just busts in, he's like, "Guys, come come on, follow me." They're gonna be like, "Why?" <laughs> yeah, wait, huh. but huh? I got no reason to. Whatever, because they yeah. don't have any fear. Yeah. Yeah, something that you just said really resonated with me was that over these past couple of years, you feel way more closer to God, mm-hmm. um, and that I feel the same way. Um, all growing up, obviously, I was the most religious, you know, I, I, I ever been. I went to church every week, and maybe that wasn't my choice or whatever, but I was praying. I was, you know, doing all the things I was supposed to do. You're and trying so yeah, hard. Yeah, like, I, and I was told, hey, like, you got questions, pray about it. You got, you know, like, you'll get answers. And, dude, I can't, I can't tell you the number of times I would, like, try. And, and I don't know, I don't know if, I don't know about prayer, but like, I know my dad, he would pray for like an hour every day. And I was like, is that what I got to do? Like, do I have to really sit there for an hour to like talk to God? And I tried it. Like I would sit in my closet, just hands and knees, dude, just like begging, being like, dude, come on, like, give me anything. Like, please, please. I'm dying here. I feel like I want to kill myself. I feel like so sad every day. Like, Mm -hmm. Give me an answer. Do I have to feel this way the rest of my life or should I just kill myself? Nothing. 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 For an hour, I'm just sitting there like crying. Just being like, come on. Give me any sign. Like thinking about all the stories I heard about people just pouring out their heart and getting some revelation from God. And I'm like, what is this? And all it did, I felt like, was push me further away from God and further yep. away from spirituality. That's exactly what it was doing. So I was, I was frustrated. I was like, oh man, there's no God, there's nothing else, this is life and we die and it's over and that's it. And that's sad, that's a sad way to think. And um, I don't know, obviously I have no idea what's on the other side, but over the past couple of years, I felt way more spiritual. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that is the key, is for some people religion totally works for them. And it's, it's, their, it's their way to express that feeling inside, that love for God and that love for life. But I don't know if it really does. I don't know if that's just them telling themselves that. 
I don't know. I have no idea. Unpopular. I, I'm assuming. I'm assuming it works for some people because there's just billions and billions of religious people given any religion. Mm-hmm. Bro, but, but like, cause I resonate with what you just said so hard. I went through. I mean, we part of why we're such good friends is because we have such similar backgrounds, mm-hmm. similar experiences, and like, I felt so much anger. And even to a point where I wanted to kill myself, I felt suicidal, and I was trying so hard to be this person that they wanted me to be, and you're going in the opposite direction. You're distracting. These are all distractions. God is the other way. To get to God, you got to let go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a place within yourself. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's the other way. It's not an external... Thing. And that's like, why I think religion tricks people because it's telling you to go that way. It's yeah. like, yo, go left. But you know, I mean, you don't know. They have no idea that it's, and it's not even left know. or right, but it's like, it's a, there's an option. Yeah. But it's like, if you think of like a flat, flat ground with nothing on top of it, and that's you at your most pure state, and then you start, you know, stacking all these things on top of it, and you're like, if I keep on, um, adding things then I'll, I'll get closer to god when in all reality god is that that pureness like you have to get rid of all those things on top of it to get to that place of god that's oh that is incredible that's totally exactly how i feel and i don't know some people are total atheists some people are devout devout mormons and i'm not saying anything is i i don't know what's right i don't know uh-huh. what's what's really going on here but i think the most important thing is sitting there with yourself and looking into yourself and that's know thyself yeah that's where you connect with the higher you know if there's a higher power it's it's connected in you it's it's your connection to the other side if if that's what it is you know it's not it's not if you follow a certain set of rules and pay a certain amount of money and learn these little handshakes that you're gonna be able to get into heaven like examine your own soul your own spirit yeah dude it's when you personal. got that know thyself tattoo i had no idea what that even meant <laughs> you know what i'm saying like because that was i was 18 i yeah you got that pretty like right when we were out in jersey yeah and you've always been so in tune with that concept yeah which that has been like one of the biggest lights that you've been able to shine mm. for me is like concept of knowing yourself the like, answers are within uh-huh this is the own this is the only thing that you really have full control over is your your own body i can't control your body i can't like try and learn from your soul your spirit only like yeah your own that, back, and that's yourself i mean i don't think all religion is evil but that's one of my biggest gripes is that it, it teaches you yeah, have no sex before marriage, try none of the drugs, don't swear, don't look at any of this media because on the absolute worst end, yeah, you could become a sex addict. Yeah, you could become a meth addict, become homeless. And yeah, you can like totally get desensitized and like mess up your mind if you're watching Live Leak every day. But like there is a super, super strong value of going through those experiences and learning it for yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's the most valuable thing at the end of the day is when you're going to sleep, you know, like what you did that day. And if it was valuable, if it was detrimental to your life or like 
if you benefited from you know trying something risky like that's way more valuable than complete abstinence because then you know and you know what's not good for you and you know what can benefit you mm-hmm. that's that's what life's about is trying things out see what helps see what doesn't help and stick with the stuff that's good mm-hmm. dude i was so i was listening to the uh joe rogan today and it was one i'm just gonna look up real quick to see what the guy's name is just so i don't get it wrong um but it was he's an expert on like narcissism narcissist uh w keith campbell um and uh joe was talking about how the biggest lessons that he learned were from his biggest failures, biggest mistakes. And so much truth to that is in your own life, you're going to really learn from the times that you slip up, the times that you get to your breaking point to where you just can't even handle it anymore is what's going to push you to towards you know what you need to do or what is right. And uh, I don't know, people are too afraid to take risk they're too afraid to fail, but with that sort of understanding, it's almost just like f- fail faster. Yeah, give me yeah. all the failures. Just go so at it learn. and don't be afraid to fail. And if you fail, be grateful for those failures because that's what you're going to learn from. Those are the best lessons, you know? Like, I can't tell you how many times we got screwed over by clients because we didn't use a contract. Or yeah. We didn't do something. Yeah. And it literally was a slap to the face so many times up until we were like, bro, of course, we're not going to forget a contract yeah, yeah, no. this time. Like, it's like, without a doubt, we're going to get the contract. The you know? universe, but we had to learn that lesson such a hard way. Yeah. There's, uh, I forget what book it is, but it's like, um, your problems stay into your, stay in your life as long as they need to until you learn the lesson behind them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so true. Because it's like, like that, like we are... It, which what it's pretty much saying is like we are gonna continue to get screwed over by clients until we st- <laughs> until we start doing the contracts and it's like the universe or whatever is like just like trying to help you out but it's like bro like listen to me until I'm, it just has to like, like smack yeah, you in the face yeah, so just hard like, boom and like that's if you look at life from that perspective it's like oh like it's so obvious like. Life is telling me every day what I should be doing. Like, yeah. oh, my bank account's in, like, chaos. Like, learn how to handle that shit, you know? Yeah. So it's not in chaos every day. Or, like, I'm fat and I need to, like, <laughs> get – Like, it's just, like, I'm I'm at the point where I'm overweight and it's affecting my health. Now it's, like, the, the your life is telling you Like, bruh, you got to like, figure it out. Yeah, it's like, or... it's, like, I don't know. But... Dude, and, like, the thing about contracts, it's not just about, like – the signed agreement it's about laying out the expectation Mm -hmm. and then being on the same page of what's expected because that's where we fell into so many problems was like they the client would have one expectation we would have a different one and the project would be over and their expectation wouldn't be met or our expectation wouldn't be met yeah but the contract was to meet to to lay out those expectations up front so it's like okay yeah i'm clear that we're going to be getting uh, three videos and we're gonna be paying this much money yeah and uh you're gonna deliver them by this date and we're gonna pay you by this date so that you're not hey, uh, hey just following up on when you're gonna get that invoice <laughs> hey, hey, hey hey man just just want to follow or the client being like yo man when are those videos gonna be done bro hey man it's so and we, it we had so many problems with that mm-hmm <laughs> Dude, oh my but gosh. 
English. Now we learn the lesson, and so it's. But yeah. it's like you you don't just learn lessons and you're done, you're over. There's always it's, gonna yeah be you more. always have you, to be continuing, and that's where you're gonna be like evolving. Yeah, mm-hmm. growing. Yeah, is by like failing, learning those lessons, elevating. You know, <clears throat> like the same way that Instagram has updates. You know, we started yeah. to implement updates into Temple Mill because you're not just all right. Temple Mill is perfect. We're there. <laughs> Woo! <lit. laughs> it's like. Temple Mill V1, Temple Mill, oh, we got this, change this, V1.1, mm-hmm. change this, V1.2. And eventually, you know, Instagram is like, you know, their 10-year anniversary, their version whatever, but they didn't just, you know, get to Instagram is, all right, Instagram is here, you know. They sold to Facebook for a billion dollars. Oh, man, they got a scam, bro. <laughs> <laughs> They're worth way more money than that. Yeah. But think of how much Instagram has changed. Mm-hmm. And it's constantly growing. It's evolving, you know. And um, the best businesses are. They're always changing. Yeah, and you can really uh, internalize that because that's how you should be as a human being. Yeah, an individual. Mm-hmm. Always, always progressing. Always learning new things. Always trying new stuff out, you know. And uh, I had a, a kind of similar experience. I mean, not contracts or business at all, but I got that motorcycle. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Got something a little bit probably bigger than I should have. And it had power and it was a lot of fun. And I was just like, I felt like like a superhero just ripping down the street, just going 100. I'm like, yeah, this is so much fun. And uh, life hit me hard. I did not know what I was doing and I crashed and it hurt. And I like, I broke my wrist and a couple ribs and I was like. And you lost your bike for months? For four months. And it was like. It just hit me so heavy. I was like, oh, yeah, you really, you got to learn. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, you watch videos of homies mobbing canyons going 100 miles an hour, and they look really impressive. And you're like, yeah, I could do that. They're just kind of leaning. You know, but. They're <laughs> just kind of leaning. You get on a bike. It's like those and, uh, arcade games. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you get on a bike, and you feel immediately that that ego, that confidence where you're like, yeah, I can beat anybody at any light because I'm on a motorcycle. Uh-huh. And, dude, it, life literally smacked me in the face when I smacked that ground. You know, and if I wasn't wearing a helmet, I would totally be dead. Mm-hmm. And and I, I mean, I don't know if it was broken, maybe fractured or something, but it was my right wrist, and uh, that's what I use for everything, you know? And I had to... Uh, I had to really slow down. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't even play video games at my house when I wasn't working. Yeah. Because I couldn't use my hand, and so I was. I had to literally just sit there and like I'd watch a show and I'd just turn it off and just lay on the couch and be like, "Dude, you did this to yourself. Mm. Like, <laughs> these are the results of your actions, you know." And I don't know. I mean, it was a good good little break and it was obviously very frustrating that I didn't get that motorcycle back for four months while they were working on it but that was a such a long time that when I got it back now I see that thing like like some crazy wild stallion that I'm like trying to tame it's not like yeah. just some magic rocket that I can control with my mind like it's a GTA it's got a it's got a beast of an engine in there and like yeah and that can be so much fun and so exhilarating when you know how to control it and you know yeah. how to use that to its peak. But you have to put in the work beforehand. Otherwise, you just get slapped. It's mm-hmm. like trying to drop in on a 10-foot pool before learning how to you know, <laughs> roll yeah. in on the two-footer yeah. at the skate park. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're going 
get mad hurt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's that ego. You want to be the the biggest badass immediately. You want to be like, yeah, uh, I'm trying out skiing for the first time, and I just freaking hit a jump. I don't even care because I'm the coolest, and I, yeah. and I got it. I, everything comes so easy to me. Mm -hmm. That's what you want. That's the ego that burns inside of you. But in reality, you live life like that, life's going to slap you in the face and be like, no, dog, like, you got to yeah. learn how to do this stuff if you yeah. want to enjoy it. Yeah. But you put in that work and you learn, then it's so, so much fun. Yeah. So, like, it's just wild. Uh -huh. It's about knowing how much to push yourself. Like, because, like, you shouldn't, it's not that you should not take risks. You sh it's not that, like, oh, you shouldn't have bought that bike. No, that's not it at all. But, you know, give it maybe, you know, a couple weeks of getting comfortable on it before mobbing the canyon. Yeah, and now, whatever it is. Now I take it out for rides and I'll just go to a parking lot and just practice doing little U-turns and slowing down uh -huh. really smooth and like, cause I don't wanna get to a light and try ripping in and fall over in front of a bunch of people. And that's the ego too, but it, it's making me more safe. You know, it's like, yeah, you gotta take the state, you gotta take the steps now to be safe so that you can, you can go a hundred miles an hour but you know how to control it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's way that's a way better feeling than just ripping 100 miles an hour on your first day on a motorcycle because then you're just like, wow, this is so crazy. <laughs> but once you know how to know what you're doing, then you just feel like, just like a, like an assassin. Just, oh, yeah, Bro, I got and it. it's crazy I got how it. like, I got it. caring what someone else thinks is gonna get you hurt. Oh like, yeah. You gotta say, that's why you, I just, you just gotta say fuck it. Like fuck what they think. Mm -hmm. I, was, I had this idea, maybe it could make it like a little series or something like that. You know how people have like a bucket list, mm -hmm. a fuck it list, <laughs> <laughs> a list of things like that. Instead of a bucket list, it's like, oh, I want to go. Cause really, to do that thing that's on the top of your bucket list, you gotta say fuck it. Yeah, yeah. You gotta create that have to environment of uh -huh. just saying like, all right, screw it. Like let's yeah. let's do it. Let's book the flights. Then it's gonna really be set in. You know, like when we went to Japan, it was like. I probably would have never went to Japan in my entire life if, if we didn't just randomly, like, credit card swipe, book PayPal the flights. Credit. Yeah. like We had no money in our bank accounts when we went. I know. We that's were roughing it out That's what there. I'm saying. It's like people are like, I have no money to travel. I'm like, I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't need it, really. just depends on how, like, how much you want to be, like uh, – like bumming it on the trip, you know. How much I can feel you like, handle, dog. But that's what made it sick. Like when I'm like 50 years old, I can look back and be like, "Oh yeah, son, I went to Japan and I just took one backpack, put everything in it." We slept on cousin Ted's floor yeah. for 10 days. Oh, and it wasn't carpet. It was like this. It was hard floor. <laughs> yeah, had one blanket and one mini pillow. Yeah, we had to just drink beers every night to get drunk enough to fall asleep. <laughs> Beers, soju, and McDonald's. <laughs> Dude, that's just like, that's like New York. Yeah. Us uh -huh. six people living in that dirty, dirty one-bedroom apartment under the Boost Mobile store. Like, you can handle more than you think. Dude, you can handle yeah. so much crap if you're willing to, like, push through it for the experience. Uh -huh. Dude, I remember my first night pulling up to the Boost Mobile store, <laughs> and, and like... I was staying with Cal and this other homie named Dominic was down there and literally there was there's no bed for me. There's no room for yeah, me. You're like, yo, where's my room at? Yeah. They're like, room? <laughs> this, this one room that we're all in? This corner of the kitchen is yours. Yeah. And I remember there was like, it was grody. We're in the heart of the hood. 
there's like multiple dead rats at different places within the apartment. Roaches on the floor. I'm like, literally, I didn't want to sleep on the floor. I pull out one of those like plastic tables and just like, I remember just like trying to lay on it. No blankets, no pillow, nothing. My legs are hanging off. I can't even fit my whole body on it to the point where I'm like, okay, we got to call an Uber and go to Walmart. (laughs) And that was the start of my air mattress journey. Got one of those little eight dollar air mattresses, yep. and then once it once it like started to deflate slowly, go get another one, stack it on top. It <laughs> deflates, go get another one. Yeah. Stack it on top. Next thing you know, I don't even need to inflate it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I just got like you know, seven or eight of them, so we're good. But like you, you learn to be able to push yourself, and like that's where you grow. You know, yeah, that's yeah. where you're like, oh wow, man, I can't believe I lived in the hood for that long. Yeah, mm-hmm. and those like. Maybe at the time, you know, I was like, man, uh, how comfortable would it be just being back in my house? Uh-huh. You know, but looking, just if I look back at all the life I've lived, which isn't much, that is just like the diamond in the rough. Like, that's my favorite time just by far. There's nothing that compares to it. Like, yeah. the life we lived out there, just the experiences we had was so enriching and like so formative to who I am now. I, I would never trade that. I like if I knew now, hey, you know, you have a wish, you could go back and, and actually Gerard put you up in a super nice place in, in Manhattan and you guys all had six K a month salaries, like yeah, that would have been fun, but like that was super, super valuable to know like, dude, there's homies that live like this all the time. Yeah, it gives you, know? you perspective that you wouldn't normally get, you know. Totally. I feel like all of us can also relate on the fact that we came from like predominantly like white areas mm-hmm. and so like being in Nork, it was like such a culture shock to all of us because we were just like oh what like this is real all the black you people know, i've this... met i can count on one hand half of them are named mark <laughs> what well, going off of utah be like yeah yeah but then it's the complete opposite we live in Newark, new jersey we're chilling in mcdonald's we're the only white guys yeah, yeah. everyone's, like, everyone's side-eyeing us on the street because they're mm-hmm. like well, what's that guy doing here yeah yeah, but yeah, that was, I mean, that was a crazy experience. It's dope that like you got to like we got to experience that together. I know, like all of us, and like, cause it was so like there was so much telling us not to like that that couldn't happen oh, right yeah. before we almost went to jail, right before yeah, going like a week before. Do you have you heard that yeah, story? Yeah. So wild. Just high level, high level, I'll tell it. Go for it. <laughs> we were working together at Station 22, Adam and I, just, you know, flipping Jack Kerouac burgers, deep frying French fries and fried cookie dough. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, uh, we, we enjoyed the wild side of life, a.k.a. hucking an egg at a car and dipping. <laughs> it's, dude, it started when we were in, like, middle school. Yeah. We, we would... Oh my gosh, we would just probably exposing ourselves right now. We just statute of limitations. (laughs) Just don't say where we were throwing them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we (laughs) we would we would just go grab eggs, and then you know just we'd sneak out of your house at like one a.m. and just Uh go find just go find a place we could hide behind some cars, wait for homies to pass, and just nail them with the egg, and then just 
run. And, run, run. and that was just so much fun. And bro, sometimes we'd have like four homies with two eggs in their hands, and we're a dozen of eggs at one car at the same time. It's just like machine gun of eggs. They're just driving home from their job at one They clip around. <laughs> and you're just in the bushes just trying not to laugh out loud oh my gosh and so you know you, you're just kind of like trying to one up it you know weekend after weekend you're like let's do rotten eggs <laughs> let's let's whatever whatever let's do whatever and so there was uh we knew that we were gonna be going out to new york like we had it planned out we bought our plane tickets because we were just gonna go out there for a trip it was like me, Adam, uh, Maya was involved in the planning, my uncle, and my grandpa. Such an odd group to me. Yeah, <laughs> and, they, and your uncle and grandpa only came out for a few days in the middle. Mm -hmm. So we had time on either end. That was just, just you us. and me in the city. Yeah, which was just skating around, going, exploring, taking photos. So many. And so, you know, we got this all planned out. The plane tickets are bought. The hotel is booked. And... It's like our last weekend of mobbing. So we're like, we got to make it worth it. And um, they were cleaning out the walk-in freezer, like the wa a giant walk-in freezer where they keep all the food. So a lot of the food went bad that they were just throwing it away. So we're like, we'll throw it away. <laughs> Emphasis <laughs> throw on throw. It away. <laughs> and um, one of our homies also decides to pack a couple paintball guns in the car. Oh, the dog. There's two different. There's two different stories. So the food. Okay, so those are two different weekends. The food one, we were replacing the floor in the restaurant. And That's it was right. Be closed for a week. Uh huh. And so normally, you have all these supplies of food, and they get food deliveries twice a week, and because they're putting out so much food, so we had like these bags of like gravy, turkey base, turkey based gravy, <laughs> and like the best thing, a full, a full uh, yellow lemon cake. And it was a big boy, like 18 inches <laughs> and like six inches deep. Yeah. And, you know, we're all heading out for the evening and our boss is like, hey, just toss the stuff in the dumpster on the way out. And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, Avery had that little Honda Civic with with like the engine swap. And so it was so fast. Yeah, that thing was quick. Yeah. I remember like, like hooking that turkey base out the window at another car. It doesn't even explode. It just like bounces off of it. We flip around, go back and pick it up, and then use it again. <laughs> so wait, I'm a, I'm gonna go to the paintball story because that's the one where we got in the oh, yeah. the most trouble. That was like uh, the biggest wake up call, and we had you know a couple of our homies, and um, we're we're driving around and we're like making people dance. <laughs> Just shooting them in the legs. Okay, just like shooting at their feet, trying to get them to just like like joggers yeah. or you know random people. I think we even hit like a couple tail lights, and um, we could have been out home free until we're like, let's do one more. Yeah, we were you know? on the way back to the to the parking garage to all get back in our own cars and head out. It was like one thirty. It was late, and so we're over which. Stupidly enough, we were like by the police station. <laughs> like two blocks away. Like literally two blocks away from the police station. And we see a homie. We light him up. He does a little jig, a little dance. And, <laughs> and Avery whips around the corner. And there's a cop coming from the other way. And we just about collide head on. Avery swerves. We get out of the way. We're like, we're all like pooping our pants, bro. Yeah. Homie lights up. 
his lights. We pull off. We pull into a parking lot. We're all freaking out in there. We're like, don't know what. Next thing we know, there's like seven, eight cop cars. Not just Provo, but like sheriffs, Utah County, all sorts of different police officers. And um, they come in, they come in the car, and uh, they take our IDs. Then they go back. They make us wait. Probably because they know that so we're they know that we're freaking out. They make us wait, and I remember one of the guys comes back and he like, sh- sh- I'm sitting in the back seat because I wasn't even firing the paintball gun. I'm sitting in the back seat. He shines his light right on my face. And he's like, after he had handed back our licenses, <laughs> mm-hmm. so he knows you know our names, whatever. He's like, you look a little bit more nervous than these other guys. Is there a reason? I'm like, no. He's like, you sure? I'm like, well, there's like ten cop cars behind us, but. He's like, okay. Really, I for sure know that he was like friends with my dad or something. Yeah, he yeah. knew that uh, I was like sheriff's son type of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, they're like, so we're, we're just going to assume that you guys, we've been getting calls all night. We're going to assume that you guys uh, had, were also <laughs> past weekends. And we're, we didn't even know that people have been calling the police like previous weekends. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course they were. But... Um, so they knew that, you know, we were the, the culprits and they just totally like let us home free. Yeah, they gave Avery. Except Avery got a pretty bad ticket. He got a ticket for not staying in his lane. Uh-huh. But we all could have gotten felonies for shooting projectiles Projectile. out of a moving vehicle. We if all could have been felons at that day. If it was 2020, we for sure would be locked up. Oh yeah. And who knows what the judge what whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we Literally, he let us go, and I remember your parents were pissed. They were like, they were saying Adam couldn't go. Yeah. They, because they were getting mad at us because like it was like our combined energy. You know, they wanted us to like separate. Right. Yeah. And like I remember, like your dad came over to my place. And was like it was. That's when we because we were, you were staying the night. That was that's when we were moving out there. That was like the night before. Yeah. Because the so next morning we after, were leaving. After our senior trip when we were planning on moving and they didn't know about Gerard. They didn't, they didn't know like what was going to happen at all. And I was like, I'm moving to New York. I'm getting out of here. And they're like, no, you're not. You're staying here. Like, this is not safe. And I'm uh-huh. like, I don't, I got to figure it out. I have to figure it out. It's not safe. I have to know. Yeah. I just have to, I have to learn it. I have to figure it out by myself. Yeah. Dude, even to my parents, like they were pretty like skeptical of Gerard. They're, they're like, so there's this millionaire dude. In New York, dude, and sounds, he like, just wants yeah. you to take pictures yeah. of him for his Instagram. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, pretty much. He's like, wait, and he wants you to bring Adam and Ashley. I'm like, yeah, he wants to build a team, media team. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna pay for your apartment and a salary. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. And your flight. And, and uh, luckily for us, Gerard wasn't Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. I know. He wasn't a predator because I mean, there is I mean There's a solid chance that... we could have gotten yeah in a weird situation. Oh, it could have been bad because we were a hundred percent relying on him uh-huh. mm-hmm. for everything. Right. And you know we jumped in the di- the deep end, and we just swam. We learned how to swim. We taught ourselves how to swim in the hood. Took a couple punches in the in the way, but it was worth it. Had to duck a few muggings, you know. Yeah. 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 Valuable, valuable time for sure. 
Do you, what's like the most significant memory that sticks out to you, like living in the hood specifically? Dude, it wasn't even when we were down where we lived. We were at Founders. Okay. And uh, I mean, Founders. Founders is still, but it was still in the hood, but uh-huh. not compared to like where we were staying. Yeah, on Bloomfield Ave. Maybe that was just my perspective because Founders looked a little bit nicer. But, it still was in a pretty rough area. I remember yeah. sketching out when you you'd go out at nighttime. I'm like, Adam, you're it's it's dark outside. <laughs> you don't go out at night because <laughs> you'd go yeah. out to like talk to Kylie on the phone and yeah. And I'd be freaking out because I'd be like, he's he's not gonna come back. He's gonna get jumped. He's, this white he doesn't understand where we are. <laughs> Dude, that's that's how I was. I was on the phone with Kylie at Founders and. Those city blocks are like really long and skinny. Yeah. Um, and Founders was on one of the corners. And, uh, you know, it's just on the phone and you just kind of walk around when you're on the phone. You don't want to really be sitting there. Um, and so I walked down like the short end of the block and then I turned the other way. Like, so we, I couldn't even see Founders at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just there on the phone wearing Jordans. I got my Apple Watch and my iPhone. I'm sure I'm dressed, you know, fancy or whatever, you know, trying to look cool. <laughs> and uh, to just notice this kind of this group of people's kind of eyeing me, and I'm like, oh, just whatever. Don't I, I just disregard it? They kind of walk. They walk past me, and it's like two guys older than me, and then like six like fourteen year old guys, and they're I mean they're all black guys, you know, and mm. and I I wasn't like scared because it had been long enough that I was like, yeah, whatever. They're, it's all black here. I'm just the only white guy, so mm-hmm. whatever. And it was in the daytime. Yeah, yeah. It was like noon. Mm-hmm. And uh, they passed me, and they're like, "Yo, why'd you call my homie a bitch?" And I'm like, "I'm on the phone." I'm like, "I'm on the phone." Sorry, guys. And, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, "No, you you call my homie a bitch. You can't say that." And I'm like, "No, I I, I didn't even talk. To, I'm on the phone. Sorry, I didn't even say that." And. Uh, just so oblivious to what's going on and they like kind of start to get around me and i'm like alarm bells start ringing and i'm like shoot and i start to realize how far away i am from founders <laughs> and uh the two bigger guys were like on the other side like they walked past me uh-huh. and then the other guys had kind of like formed like a little circle not like too tight you know and uh i'm like hey um you know what's going on and then then the big guys like you'll get him and I'm like, no. <laughs> and I run faster than I've ever run in my entire life to the corner. So Founders is on like the one corner and I go to the other end of the short block. Yeah. And I yell and there's like Cal and Shaq and uh, the one other really, he was a really tall guy who helped us out. Not the guy who did the clothing. Blast Chat? No, he was like someone who would come by every once in a while. He had like really detailed eye tattoo. Uh, Jonathan, I couldn't tell you his name. Alvarist, the yep, the the charger uh-huh. wrist mm, guy. Yeah. yeah, Jonathan. Um, and I'm like, guys, 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 and they just see this group of like six guys just chasing me up the street. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just running as fast as I can, like crying because I'm terrified. <laughs> and they start booking the other way, and then these guys take off and go down the other way, and uh, I get to the corner. I'm like, these guys try to jump me. I'm like, I'm terrified. And then... I remember uh, seeing you right after it happened yeah. and you were like f- pretty frazzled up. Oh, I was so scared. I thought I was just going to get beaten up. And like those... They're not going to stop when you're on the ground. Uh-huh. They're just going to keep kicking you or, uh-huh. you know, stomping on your head or whatever. Uh-huh. And dude, Shaq, he's like, homies try to jump you? 
just books it and chases after them. And uh, I don't know if he talked to them or whatever, but that was like the moment where I was like, oh, we're not in, we're not in, we're not in Kansas anymore, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. This is this is some serious different. stuff. Dude, I, I'm not gonna lie. I definitely, I like I, I'm I feel like I miss Shaq. Like when we were boys. I mean, we had a lot in common. He had the same last name as me. He lived with us for months. Yeah. Like, he and us like, how to he live brought there. us into his world, introduced us to his family, brought us to cookouts, taught us the handshakes that they did. Like, and like, he cared about us. He loved us. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I, I hope he's doing good. I yeah. definitely, like, I'm surprised that I didn't get like, mugged or jumped or whatever because I'm like walking around with. $2,000 camera body, $2,000 lens, $1,000 phone. I'm wearing the flu game Jordan 12s or Jordan 1s. Like, I, I would have jumped myself. Just a, a walking target. <laughs> a walking target. Yeah. Dude, Shaq was I, our. I think he our was our pass. guardian angel. He took. He, like, he protected us. Yeah, the fact that he, like, that was the only reason I felt safe going out at night. Because, like, he, we would go over the, to the Chicken know, Shack. Chicken Shack and. He's like, yo, what up? These are the homies, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you can tell he vouched for you. Yeah, for all he of us. really uh-huh. he put it saved in. us. Yeah, he did. Because all those homies, I mean, dude, they could have found out where we lived so easily if they were like, yo, there's just all these white guys living in the hood all of a sudden. Like, let's get them. You know, we would hang out in front of our our place outside like... all the time, just smoking or whatever. And yeah, he was like a little little saving grace. Yeah, looking back, it was hundred percent pretty nice having him there. What about you, True? You got any, like, significant moments that stand out the most? Um, I mean, so you, you were sleeping in the kitchen? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I started sleeping at Brian Donovan's house in his little brother's room that was going off to college. Yeah. And, like, his room was still very, like, decorated, like a little kids room they had like <laughs> cutouts of like baseballs on the wall or like you know like just random stuff like that uh-huh. and i remember like coming back from founders like every night because we would have to drive from newark up to ramsey new jersey and it was like 50 minutes or like an hour and brian's little black mustang yeah, yeah. and like, like 2003 or something like yeah. with, like the headlights that go down yeah. was my least favorite mustangs yeah. and we used to like we also had to wake up like so early too because yeah. like i i didn't want to like i mean i'm the type of person i can't really wake up and not shower so i like had to do that whole routine too uh-huh. and we had to be there at like 8 a.m so it was like we had to get up at like 5 30 or something and like sometimes we would even hit the gym before wow. which i look back i'm like dude you're over overdoing it <laughs> like doing that but like uh so it was just like a i remember like coming back and like doing my stuff and then laying down in that bed in his little brother's room and like just staring at the ceiling and being like what did i do you know like two uh, weeks ago i was at my parents house like just like uh really comfortable and stuff and like now i'm here and there's like no way out i mean it was like it was exhilarating it was it wasn't like a fear thing it was just like here it comes like this life is coming like this you started it like this is what you wanted you signed up for this yeah and like so there's just like a lot of like uh of that that was like involved of just like you signed up for it and like 
I never regretted any of it, but it was just yeah. like enjoy, like uh, enjoy the process type of thing. Yeah, which is like kind of relating to this idea that I've been thinking about of like how life I feel like is always kind of setting us up for what we ultimately want, but it's just that it's happening in ways that we're not really thinking about. Like if I like want to be like a really great entrepreneur or like you want to be like a great musician like travis scott or something yeah. like uh like we i feel like when we're young and like naive we think that like those things are just gonna happen and like we're just gonna like because we decided that we want to be like that that like next week we're gonna be like walking around with travis scott confidence uh -huh. but like we you have to look at like their story too and like why they have that confidence like yep. it's it's not just something that they like got overnight got overnight it's like confidence is something that's like a bedrock of your character and it comes through experiences it's built like muscle yeah and like it's like we, travis scott was like i mean it's interesting we're talking about him because he was living with gerard uh -huh. like it was like he went through those time periods where he's like let sleeping on the floor and like doing all that stuff. Baby bottles of lean. All Baby bottles of lean. And like, it's like, if you want to be like Travis Scott, don't get pissed off when life puts you in those situations where you're sleeping on the floor, you know, uh -huh. because like in the moment we may look at those and be like, I wanted to be like Travis Scott. Why am I broke? And what it's like, he like those less like those experiences are giving you lessons and it's up to you if you're going to take the lessons out of them kind of like what we were talking about earlier but it's like if you're able to take all the lessons out of those situations you're able to build your like you build yourself into into that type of person you know what i mean mm -hmm. like those just kind of it's a natural byproduct if you take the lessons that are given to you yeah and like see every experience as like a learning thing grow from it grow from it but like that's what like it was like motivating like being in those situations like on paper they just seem like such bad experiences but i feel like we all took them as like these are hardening our character like these are being like making us anti-fragile you know yes mm -hmm. and it's like because that environment at founders of just like everyone was pretty much on the same level of commitment yeah everyone there no but i mean not everyone most people there weren't from new jersey they were yeah. from other states yeah they'd committed i know cliff drove up from florida he sold yeah. everything bought an rv and then jared funderburg yeah. came from north carolina yeah we, we got the utah like brian's brian ragone cool came from florida too uh-huh sarasota like and everyone's coming and it almost like held everyone like accountable to push themselves and like to grow mm -hmm. but like that environment was like yeah it was it was amazing yeah i don't think that we're ever gonna experience something in our lifetimes that was as unique as that oh yeah anytime yeah. i tell that story to anyone they're like what you did what however we i mean we can keep on pushing it just from new perspectives you know next time we there's an environment like that we're not going to be the videographers we're going to be the Gerards in the situation. We're not going to be the bright-eyed and 17-year-old kids moving from Utah. We're going to be the guy that's moving, that's getting people to move to us to attract that that vibe, to be able to create that culture. Because, like, 
Founders was you know phenomenal, and there were a lot of amazing people, and it was extremely unique, and I mean it was just different, you know. Mm-hmm. And we'll have other experiences that will also be amazing, phenomenal, and they'll just be different. Yeah, it won't be New Jersey. Yeah, I'm not saying that be... like we're never gonna experience anything that was as great as that. Uh-huh. I'm yeah. saying that like that was such a unique experience. Yeah, like, yeah us being that young and that like ready for whatever was gonna yeah. come to us, like. Now we have so much more life. We would kind of be able to see We're things wiser. coming our way yeah. that we shouldn't, you know, we should avoid and stuff. But it was just such, such a great time. Dude, I remember like waking up to hearing like Cal in the shower, listening to The Weekend by Mac Miller. And I am not a morning person at all, but we would just have to get up. And walk like a mile and a half from the bloom, or I mean, I don't know exactly how far it was. It seemed like no, forever. I think it, it was over a mile for sure. And every single morning and every single evening, we didn't have a car. That's what Truman brought to the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You brought the car to the yeah. squad. Before that, we had to walk there and back every single day. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the energy was, and it, I mean, I'm, not, I wouldn't change it. You know, mm-hmm. it was good. It pushed like our limits and all that stuff. And once we eventually moved, like, across the street from Founders, it was, like, so much more of a blessing. Yeah. But we're still, like, how many people in one, like, small area? At one point, there was, like, how many people in our room? You, me, Cal. Was Frank in there? Uh, well, so. It's, like, a one-bedroom room, but there was. Oh, that one. Oh, yeah, that was just, the peak that we had all in one room was me, you, and Cal. And this is a closet-sized room, and yeah. it's like Tetris with the air. You can't even see the ground. Mm-hmm. There's no ground space. I was lucky because I live three hours away, so I was able to bring like most of my a real luxuries. Mattress. Yeah, like a mattress and all that other stuff. I remember but. my mom mailed me like a queen-size mattress. Huh? What? How it much was, was that? It was too big for the room. It wouldn't fit in the room, so I used it like a little bedside table. Remember? It was just like a box. <laughs> I eventually ended up like someone else needed it more, oh. so we gave it to someone else because it would have taken that up the whole yeah, room. Yeah, I would have been pissed. <laughs> well, when Ashley and I like, because when we first moved out there, Ashley and I were sharing uh, a queen a, size, a queen size together. Blow up, right? and there was like a little hole in it. <laughs> yeah. And every single night at like two in the morning, we'd wake up like sunken in the middle, like on the floor. <laughs> you know, like just imagine. <laughs> I don't know. It would have to wake up, blow, get out of bed, blow, or just be like, oh, whatever. Let's just stay. Yeah. Stay like this. We got a couple more hours till we gotta get up and get to founders. Yeah. And dude, I remember being so tired sometimes that I would like go in the bathroom and just like lay on the floor for a little bit, <laughs> lay on the floor and just like breathe. And be like, All right, dog, you got this. <laughs> you got this, bro. You can. You'll make it through. <laughs> yeah, that's when I really first started drinking coffee because I was like. I, I need to wake up. I'm too tired. Yeah. And yeah, we were pushing ourselves. We had no money either. What like, you guys brought to like what it's so interesting when I look back and like uh think of like when I first like saw you guys. <laughs> <laughs> because like it's it's so vivid in my head. And it's almost like if like looking back at it now is almost like the universe was just like like peering, like it was like time stopped and it was like Oh, like you're, it's just so interesting to look back and be like, I didn't know at that moment how like integrated 
I was about to be with you guys. Like, yeah, that I was in a, actually like, like when you guys said that you're from Utah, that like I was actually going to be living in Utah and like, date. or that you'd even go to Utah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's just like crazy. But like, I remember uh, like walking in and like all three of you guys were wearing just like all black. <laughs> and I, I remember thinking that that was so fucking sick because you got like it was just like um like you walk in founders and on the right is all the people like sitting down and it was like you three over on the by the table like uh-huh. b- by the bathroom yeah now I, I don't think that there was like anyone else there it was just like you guys standing there with like your cameras and stuff and i was like geez these guys seem, <laughs> seem like so like official that is hilarious because we were not official at all. Adam and Ashley didn't know what they were doing with their cameras. I know. So. Knowing like the the behind the scenes, I was like, you guys put it off really well. Wow, that's funny to hear. I mean, once I started to get like uh, get to know us a little get to bit, know, like, like oh, yeah, some <laughs> these kids, <laughs> these eighteen year olds, what are they doing? Yeah, but like, um, I feel like the easiest one that I, I picked out uh, that was was Ashley of like. I knew within the first day or two that she didn't know as much as, like, you two. Yeah. I at least had some, like, photography knowledge. Yeah. And, like, I, I've, I've always had an eye for it, but I was editing movies on iMovie. Mm. I didn't know a premiere. I was editing my photos on Snapseed. my phone on Snapseed. I wasn't using Lightroom or Photoshop or anything. And... We were just going with it, <laughs> just jumping in and swimming. Yeah. Oh yeah. Remember that first time we went to New York and like shot, like our first time like hanging out outside of Founders, mm-hmm. meeting up and you took the train like the wrong place. I had to like walk from oh, yeah. Times Square yeah, all I, the way down to World Trade Center. I took oh, uh, yeah. I took the train from Ramsey to yeah Times Square, and you guys were like at uh world trade center yeah that's where we always yeah. come in and i was just like oh yeah i'll just walk down and i was like oh wait i didn't realize that this was so far you had to learn about new york the hard way yeah the layout dude oh man you I, gotta go dude, back to new york sometime 100 percent. bring the podcast mics yeah. oh yeah well so part of what i'm like stoked about with the podcast is like these exact conversations convert like bringing on different people from that time to get all the different perspectives. Like, yeah. I had no idea how we were perceived to the outside eye when yeah. we get out there. I was some some kid, you know? <laughs> had a ponytail, a butt, man bun. Yeah, yeah, I had white hair. I also remember uh, dis- distinctly, is that the right word? But uh, so many people in like, because I feel like at, at the beginning, I was very separated from you guys. Mm-hmm. Like, I was, like, more on, like, the... Sofro squad? Yeah, I was, like, integrated with Brian Donovan, Rago, and all them. And, like, the talk amongst them the first few days was if Ashley was single or not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, I always got, like, weird... But not from, like, those guys, but there definitely were certain individuals that... I'm not even, I'm not going to name them, uh, Ed Stulak, that <laughs> for some reason, would, like, thought they would, like try and make a move on it whatever honestly that those types of thoughts are uh reflecting insecurities like i was pretty confident like in our relationship mm-hmm. that i wasn't even thinking about like oh is ashley gonna you know hook up with any of these dudes i wasn't even thinking about that yeah, yeah. i was trying to figure out you know 
what are we going to eat? <laughs> uh, beef ramen or chicken ramen? <laughs> yeah. Am I going to get the veggie delight and a pineapple? Uh, what was the CC? What's the soda called out there? Like Shishi the Shasta? cola? Yeah, what flavor? Shasta? No, it wasn't Shasta. Oh. It was like a different brand that's out there at mm. the corner store. But yeah, and then they were like, oh no, I, I found out he's she's dating that, that Mike guy. <laughs> and they were just like, <laughs> that oh. Mike guy. <laughs> the guy with the, the bun. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. Dude, I, I would love to get Brian Donovan on this. I'd love yeah. to get Brian Ragon on this. I mean, we got to get more microphones. Mm-hmm. Even like getting, like while we're here in Utah, getting us plus Cal. Yeah. Like his voice in the oh, same yeah. conversation. <laughs> We have room for one more, and then uh, we can turn. There's like a attachment that you can get for this one to make that another chord. Hey, Ooh, five's not bad. Mm-hmm. That'd be lit. That'd be a big group. And I mean, even if we did it like over Zoom. Yeah, that'd you be can sick. Get as many people. Like, a founders, founders reunion. reunion. Yeah, man, wow. that'd be wild. Yeah, even getting like Gerard on this. Yeah, I'm I'm super curious of like Gerard's. Uh, perception of us yeah. <laughs> the first little bit because there were some rocky moments <laughs> yeah where he's like hmm, i don't know if this was the best idea but like since we committed like are you gonna buy us a plane ticket back we yeah. don't even have money to buy our own plane <laughs> ticket back we can't walk home bro <laughs> yeah yeah but you know it worked out everything everything happened and here we are right now in this exact moment and we still got, I mean, we're still young dudes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There's still so much more to experience and so much more to do. But imagine if we would have been too afraid. Dude, it's wild. I stopped I, you. I see homies around here that, uh, you know, maybe homies that didn't go on a, on a mission or something, but that just always stayed here. And I'm like, oh, that's probably what I probably would have been like that if I just hung out in Utah forever. Yeah. Wouldn't have got that that expansion to my perspective expansion well, pack i was hey. like free download i was like the looking dlc i was like looking for a way out of utah like i remember so with instagram you get so many random followers you know what i'm saying like and they may not even follow you because they like you they could just be follow unfollow and i got this one guy that followed me who um worked with like time magazine or something like that um he still follows me and I remember like talking to him and just being like uh, cause he lived in New York being like yo if you need photos or whatever you know and he never even like committed to anything like that but just the fact that like he responded and we communicated I remember just like telling people like oh yeah there's this guy there's this guy in New York that works with whatever that I'm, I'm gonna be like, you know meeting up with and maybe whatever and I had no idea, you know, at that point, I didn't know who Gerard even was, but I was just like, I knew I was like, I gotta get out of Utah, like, cause I, I don't want to throw any shade, but I I'm feel just like going to share my, my, it's with my every state and every hometown. Mm-hmm. But cause, yeah, for me, it was like, I, I, I knew I didn't want to go on a mission. And if I didn't have an excuse, like if I was just staying around, I would have ended up just like caving and, and going on a mission because of all the people, my entire family, all my all my friends, every single like I was the only person in my ward class 
like that didn't go on a mission. And there's so much pressure. And I was like, if I don't have an excuse or something else, I don't know. So I was just like searching. I was like, I have to find something. But the universe did its thing. Mm -hmm. We go out there and just so happens that the same time that we're out there, Cal is out there and he's like, yo, let's get together. You guys gotta meet this guy. Yeah, let's meet this guy. (laughs) We uh, go, we go to the, he's staying at like the dream hotel and boom, that's history from there. Take some photos. Dude, I was considering joining the military to get out of Utah. Really? I was like, I gotta leave this place. I do not fit in with these homies. Yeah. But way better. I'm glad that I did what I did. Take took a leap. Take a well, leap. we're at one hour and fifty minutes. Hey, this was Oof. a lit conversation. Yeah. Appreciate you coming through, Adam. Anytime. Yeah. Well, First of many. many. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Alright, pot squatters. Catch y'all <laughs> catch all the flip. <laughs> We're going to get some merch that says catch you on the flip. Yeah.